I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, I am joined this week by a very talented actor. Uh, you might know him from 1991's People Under the Stairs, uh, but I also know him from uh, 2019's Eternal Code and the recent 2020 film that just dropped last Friday, uh, Agrimon's Gate. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by Mr. Jan Birch. Jan, how are you today? I'm very, very good. Thank you, and 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 thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Excellent. Like it, it's great to have you on here, especially after, uh, you know, I I didn't realize you were in People Under the Stairs. Like I had just, uh, you know, you you were uh, you were on with Leo uh, recently on the Dorkening, and uh, we had interviewed uh, Harley Wallen a few weeks ago, and uh, to talk about Eternal Code, in which you play Magnus, which I thought you were really good. I liked that a lot. That was. Thank you. The first time I really like, you know, realized who you were and then obviously just saw Agrimon's Gate recently. But I was going back through some of your uh, your IMDb credits and I was doing some research while uh, I was waiting for you, you know, to uh, be ready for the show. And something struck me. So I'm okay. looking at some some pictures of you and I've been looking at this one picture. It's a headshot from when you were younger. And okay. I think that there was a major marketing opportunity missed, not by you, but your character in People Under the Stairs, you were the Stairmaster. Yes. You yes, could I was. have you should have been you know, for folks who don't know, I'm gonna have to post a picture of what you looked like back then because I, you would not be out of place on like, you know, a hair metal band like poster hanging in a teenage girl's room. Like they should have used you as a spokesman for the stairmaster exercise equipment. They would have sold twice as many as they did. Yeah, no, you know what? I had I got that query, I got that uh, question so much in the early nineties, and and I think one my, my my people, I think they actually contacted the stairmaster, but but uh, uh, I they had some initial talks, but nothing ever panned out of it. You know, panned out of it. I don't think they realized the company itself. How, how big of a following the people under the stairs had and uh, what kind of a cult character that the Stairmaster became. Um, if they would have, I agree with you 100%. It would have been a, a, would have been a win-win for all, all involved, I think. I, I, I'm just looking at the picture. Like, if all you have to do is, you know, show the picture. I, and I'm going to be honest with you here. You know, I think it was criminal that you had to cover up your face with, with uh, prosthetics for that role. And, and all the makeup and stuff, because you you were just, you know, not that you aren't anymore, but you're, you know, just a super handsome dude, you know, with the long blonde hair and everything like you. you yeah, could, you, they, they, <laughs> they missed that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's all kinds of different paths in, in, in our lives. And uh, mm -hmm. sometimes they, they're, you know, we'll take him while other people guides us. And sometimes it's something that could have happened and you yeah. know, something else happens instead. Well, clearly you've had uh, a very prolific career, especially like right now. You've got uh, a couple of films that we're going to talk about coming up. 
But obviously, we've got Agrimon's Gate that just came out. We've got Eternal Code that uh, came out recently. Um, you seem to work a lot with uh, with Harley. Um, how did you guys first meet and first kind of get into contact with each other? And why do you work together so frequently? Well, you know, I'm you know I'm Swedish originally, and so is Harley, and and uh, so we you know it's it's not you know it's not that very big country. It's about ten million people now. And, 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 you know, like, like a lot of other, you know, people or cultures, it, 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 we kind of stick, if we meet each other, we kind of stick together and, and try to help each other out as much as we can. And, and basically, uh, we had a friend of a friend on Facebook, uh, and that, that Harley was speaking to about his movie, um, uh, Betrayed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he said, you know, he, he was having, he, he was having Tom Sizemore or, and, and all kinds of people involved. And, and um, he said to her, you know, it's a couple of parts are really, I really need some strong, you know, like some, some great acting and still, uh, and, and I'm looking for people. And she said, you know, you have to meet Jan. And he's like, Jan, Jan Birch. And like, that's what happened. And then all of a sudden he calls, you know, she calls me, he calls me. He's like, I'm, I'll, you know, I, I'd be honored if you could be in this film. You know, I followed your career. We both Swedish and, that's how that's what happened, and and you know the first time we met, I flew into Michigan to shoot Betrayed. We had dinner right away, and and I knew right away, right then, that this is this is something very special. This could be like you know, uh, DiCaprio Scorsese. It's like it's you know you meet those kind of people. I had very similar with with Wes, but on a little different because the age difference was still there, and he was so busy already. Harley is a an amazing filmmaker that are climbing huge steps every every time he makes a movie. He climbs another five steps up the ladder, um, and and he's really going to uh, uh, have a major success in this industry, I believe. And uh, it's just great to find somebody like that. I, you know, for a while there, I actually told myself I really like to have somebody that I can, you know, can work more than one movie with, because I was jumping back and forth a lot. And then I'm like, you know, it, it's it's such a unique and and great thing as a as an artist when you find a collaborator. Uh, that you really like to work with and and you know the the feelings are are mutual and then you can just get better together i mean I, you know i I, li- I love working with harley yeah and i've i've noticed that uh a lot of folks you know that are in uh eternal code you know come back and work again all together with agramon's gate like there's so many of you guys that you know it's like obviously you guys work really well together because the final products are are excellent and you know it's nice to see that you guys have that type of rapport not only with each other but with your director and you know and obviously Harley you know is right in you know for lack of a better term right there in the trenches with you guys you know because he's on screen he's acting you know and he's directing so he's pulling double duty and it's great that you guys all have this chemistry and this rapport and you guys are able to work together so well because it really shines through in the final product. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I believe so too. I, I you know, like I said, we have it's one big family. Uh, I love when directors, you know, uh, get to know actors and using it. You know, it happens quite a lot, but mm-hmm. but you know, uh, uh, on mostly on the bigger level, on the smaller level, not so much. And I'm really happy to, you know, the independent uh, uh, market. The little the studio, you know, the big studio directors usually have a couple of people they always want to use, but um 
it, it's a great relationship. And like you said, there's a lot of uh, uh, great talent that he uses. Uh, he, he likes to use some, you know, some really the, the, the most talented local talents he can find. And then he flies uh, in, uh, uh, you know, flies in people. He shoots everything in Michigan so far. He's mm-hmm. from Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. And, um, and I mean, he's really just a, a, a pillar of the community, too. He's really building up the, 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 the film industry in Michigan now and making him quite a name for himself. He won so many awards. If you look at uh, uh, an IMDb, um, I don't know, you know, he's got like 40 awards already and nominations on his films. Um, yeah. So, you know, very good guy to work with. Yeah, and it it seems that way, you know, especially with the conversation that I had uh, with him uh, in the interview a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. And then and then you know, like on Agamemnon's Gate, for example, we did you know we I did a, a an ac- action thriller uh, on Betrayed, and then we did another like a sci-fi thriller on uh, on uh, 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 Eternal Code. But he called me and said, you know, I've been thinking about doing a horror ever since we we met. And he's like, I think I got one. I think we're going to squeeze this in next. And he said, I'm sending you the script. Please let me know what you think. I wrote the specific part for you. Um, and, uh, you know, I read it. I'm like, hey, Harley, I got to tell you, uh, uh, if, you know, done right, this could be like the sleeper of the year. This is one of those films. Uh, it's a scary horror movie without the gore. So, you know, people that love gore, I think they still enjoy it. It's, mm-hmm. it's more like a shining type of feel. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's more, it's more that creeps up on you kind of thing, uh, and and more Hitchcock, uh, uh, older style horror movies, and and I think we really got something good going. It, it's it's funny when you talk about like, you know, like it doesn't have a lot of gore, but it's kind of like The Shining because there are uh, like I have a lot of friends who you know do the same thing I do, you know, with podcasting and you know reviewing films and talking about different uh, aspects of of different genres of film and. You know, I have I have one friend who he he's like, well, you know, a supernatural killer doesn't really bother me so much because I'm a big guy. I can defend myself. But ghosts will scare the shit out of me because I can't fight a spirit. I can't fight, you know, this, you know, ethereal thing. So it's it's really all, you know, the uh, the eye of the beholder type thing where it's like, what is scary to you? And I think you're right. Like with this with uh, Agramon's Gate. You know, especially with the character that you play, like where he's he's all over the place, uh, you know, when you're trying to figure out like what his motivation is, which I really like. I thought you played it really, really well. Um, You definitely got that like uh, creepy, you know, intimidating vibe. It reminded me a lot of uh, like some of the stuff that Richard Brake has done. And it's not Mm -hmm. just because you guys are, you know, similar in. Like the way you guys look, you know, your look, your build. Uh, but he has that really commanding, uh, terrifying presence. Like he doesn't have to yell and scream and chase you around with an axe to know that, you know, you're in trouble. And that's how uh, you kind of portrayed your character in Agramon's Gate, which was a big departure from your character Magnus in Eternal Code. Uh, but my question for you is what, you know, you seem to do a lot of like sci-fi horror stuff. What draws you to that uh, in those roles more than, say, you know, like a comedy? You know, um, it's not as much draws me as it is, you know, how it's how it started here when I came over here on this uh, in the on the the U on the U.S. international market. 
I was uh, I was fortunate enough to to get my my first feature film was Slumber Party Massacre Three, mm-hmm. with Roger Corman, and uh, you know it was it was all about you know he was the one who told me you got you got this look with these eyes. He said you just I saw your eyes and I know you got you're perfect for this role, uh, and then after that uh, you know I got people on stairs with Wes Craven. And then I got to work with Chuck Russell and Blessed Child and, and, and Mark Pellington. And, and it just like, it seems like, you know, Roger Corman, Wes Craven, Chuck Russell, you know, it was kind of like that uh, vibe right off the gate here, uh, uh, right out the gate on, on the horror community. And I love the horror fans and the community and the tightness. Uh, I love to go to conventions. But, you know, I love to do comedy, too. I mean, I did, uh, I did Brooklyn Nine-Nine not that long ago. Uh, it's fun. I mean, comedy is, uh, you know, they, in, in most people's opinions or a lot of people's opinions, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of comedy is very hard. And they say, you know, if you can do comedy, you can do anything. So uh, I've done some comedy. I've done TV, some comedy on TV. I don't I don't mind doing it at all. But, uh, you know, it's just I've seemed to be cast a lot more in these other darker roles. And and and, you know, we always we, we all have, a, in my opinion, we all have a dark side. And somehow I actually I have to say I slide into these roles quite easily. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. But, you know, otherwise, in, 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 in real life, people you know, tell me I'm a nice guy. So, uh, you know, but it's uh, I, I have fun playing these guys. These guys are fun. You go dark. You go, uh, uh, you know, you, you do, you know, because you're going into somebody else's body or character and, and, and that's what acting is all about. You try to be yourself as much as you can while portraying somebody else. And it might be, you might break out things about you in reality that you never see otherwise. You know, it's, it's, it's all a combination of, of yourself and who you're playing. And, and if you can get it to, to, to vibe straight in and, 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 uh, merged together that's when you get a good performance yeah, that was going to be my next question is you know when you're prepping for a role you know is there certain things that you do differently based on like the roles that you have um because again you know uh magnus is much different than your character in agramon's gate and i don't want to say the character's name because i don't want to give anything yeah away, yeah because yeah. it's only yeah, been yeah. out a few days so i don't want to ruin anything or spoil anything for anybody but I got a chance to see the screener uh, a while ago, and I, I was floored. I really liked it. I and again, everybody did such a great job. I think one of my favorite things was the, the accents everyone affected. Uh, everyone had like a different accent that is not normally. Well, not, I say everyone, but several of the the principals uh, had accents that are not their normal accent. Uh, like you, you didn't have your normal accent. Uh, like you're speaking to me now, you you affected an accent for it. So how, how is it that you prepare differently? You know, do you work with, you know, a dialect coach or you just kind of like watch some stuff on TV or you just do your best impression? Um, and you know, again, how did you, uh, prepare for Magnus as opposed to your role in Agramon, Agramon's gate? Well, yeah, it, it is a little different for, for, for each movie. Uh, uh, Magnus was more. I'm trying to find out. I had to go deeper in his. I had to. I created a background, uh, and and because it's a lot said in the movie too that his wife died and and you know play on those emotions. Try to put that as a layer uh, uh, in the back of my mind, and also trying to figure out what his motives are. You know, what why is he doing this, and is he different from 
from the bad guys in the movie or his uh, or is he different from the good guys in the movie where is he and with magnus it was a it was a it was quite fun and it was a you know it took a little time because he's neither good or bad really and 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 at least you don't want the in my opinion you didn't want the audience to know what side he is on really in his mind and what what why why he's doing what he's doing uh you know it, it's definitely not because of of the the reasons the main villain had with you know the money and and the greed mm-hmm. uh, magnus comes from a completely different point of view uh, and why he's doing things and that that was interesting it took me a while i had to read it through quite a lot of times and I had discussions with harley to see where he wanted to go with it and Harley is a great director. He gives you a lot of freedom, a lot of uh, creative freedom, and, and a lot of chances to show you what, show him what you think. And uh, you know, there's a couple of scenes that I, I, I went a little bit more emotional, and he brought he brought me back and said, "Hey, somewhere in the middle," because you know he's he's we don't want to see him being that vulnerable. Like for you know for a spe- that was a specific scene I remember that very clearly, and and I. To be honest, when I when we shot it, I thought the more emotional uh, uh, choice were the was was the better one, or, or would have been a better one on screen. But he did not keep that take. He kept the one in the middle, and it came out really well. I'm like, mm-hmm. I was I was surprised. I was very happily surprised. So you've got you know obviously you've got uh, Agramon's Gate. Uh, you've got a couple other movies that are coming out. And uh, one is with uh, Harley, and there's another one that uh, there is a common factor between those two movies. And, uh, again, we mentioned People Under the Stairs. So you've got two films in which you're uh, teaming up with Sean Whalen again, which is kind of cool. Um, so the first one is, uh, we'll, talk about, well, we'll talk about Harley's film first, uh, Beneath Us All. So yes. Tell us a, a little bit about that without giving too much away just kind of give the uh basic. yeah it's a it's a great story me and holly have talked about for a little while uh it's uh we, we, we're shooting this spring uh and 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 it is actually uh the whole movie starts in sweden uh, but you know for for just for the first scene it's actually you know to make a long story short not give you much detail because we don't want to spoil anything yet but uh i'm playing a, a, a viking vampire Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that much. And the movie, the movie starts a thousand years ago, and then it goes flashes into present time. So, uh, starts in Sweden and takes place in America. And again, like that look, you know, that you were talking about earlier, like because you have like the really piercing eyes. Um, yeah, I can definitely see you as a Viking vampire. Like that, just look. I, I'm, I'm picturing this. And, and it looks awesome to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm looking very forward to that. I, Viking, obviously, is very dear to my heart. Uh, it's like most Scandinavians, when they hear somebody talk about, just say Viking, my head spins around. I'm like, what, who, what's that? Well, you said what? What's happening? Vikings? Because uh, it's, you know, like it's our, it's our, it's our ancestry. It's where you come from. And it's like, you know, and they might not be the nicest people in the world, but they were the, 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 the era of, of the world that we know it in modern times where my people were like strong and conquerors. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's always, it has a special place in, I think all Swedish people's mind, not, not, not to take away that they were 
one of the first most intelligent engineers, and they were the first ones to build a boat that can go over the Atlantic. And I mean, they, they were smart people. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, they were a little violent, but you know, it was just the way they were. And um, yeah, I love to play that. Uh, I'm actually attached to another much larger Viking film. I can tell you, but for two seconds, when we're talking about Vikings, that oh, takes yeah. place in Sweden. We're shooting for for two months. Hopefully next year. Now they had. They had, uh, had to push a couple of times. The snow didn't come this year, this global warming thing. There was, it's no snow in Sweden right now. That's and, insane. And it's in the middle of the winter. Uh, so it was that and a couple of other things. So we're just praying that next year will be the year and because it, the, the movie takes place in the snow. Uh, and it's like uh, it's basically a car chase on horses in the snow between, between two you know, Viking uh, uh, kings, and I'm one of them. Uh, I'm, I'm the one who's chasing, and... Uh, and then uh, uh, they're talking to Dolph Lundgren about being the, cha- the chased one, but there's nothing in, in place there yet. So, uh, but you know, be somebody like that. It's that kind of movie. Um, uh, we have Tyler Maine uh, and, and Scout Taylor Compton and Jake Busey, and we have a great group of people. That's a really uh, good cast. Yeah, yeah, Matthias Hughes Ooh. from uh, yeah, yeah, I Come in Peace. You know, mm-hmm. good good friend of mine. Yeah, we have a great group of people. Hopefully, they put it all together soon, and uh, that'd be a fantastic uh, film. And that'd be not a horror movie. It'd be, it'd be actually that movie has more blood than if you than Agamemnon's Gate, but it's not a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you were saying, you know, sometimes when you deal with Vikings, you gotta, you know, you gotta show the the bloodshed and the brutality. You know, yeah, you so that's. That's uh, that's one of the episodes. That was the first reason I started growing my hair and my beard again uh, because of that movie. And then they pushed it. And then and then Holly came up with this. And I'm like, shit, I'm just going to let it grow. We're doing that. We're still doing the Viking thing. So uh, it worked out really well, actually. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's beneath us all. And Sean Whalen is in there. And and, and that was actually we we did we did both. Uh, uh, participate in Death House, never worked together, very small in interactions, and both of our parts were, were on the smaller side because, you know, I don't know if we, you, know, you know about the movie, but it was just like uh, 50 horror icons in it, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and it was a flash and, you know, flash and go, basically. Uh, so this Beneath Us All will actually be the real first time that me and Sean are working together again since People Under the Stairs. And, you know, speaking of Death House, you've got the sequel coming out again with you and Sean that are both in it, uh, the Dawn of five evils. And, you know, yes, you're talking about amazing casts. I mean, you know, there's you and there's Sean, there's Richard Spate, Jr. Vernon Wells, Kane Hodder, Felissa Rose, Tiffany Shepis, Beverly Randolph. I think my favorite thing is the fact that Beverly Randolph's character is Dr. Tarman. Like (laughs) that to me is just, is just awesome. So that's, that looks really cool, and uh, I can't wait to check that one out. But you've got another one that uh, we talked a little bit about off-air that um, I'm excited about, especially given the name of this, uh, of this show, is Sky Shark. So let's talk a little bit about Sky Sharks. Uh, what can you tell me about this? Because this is another one that has a phenomenal cast, uh, including good friend of ours uh, and good friend of the show and uh, us personally, is uh, Karando Mitsutake is in it, um, so which I think is kind of cool. You know, kind of one of those small world six degrees of separation type things. So, what can you tell us about uh, Sky Sharks? 
Yeah, no, that's a, that's a movie that a lot of people are looking forward to see. They've worked on it for quite some time. It's it's the first experience of uh, the kind for me and for most of these actors. This movie is completely shot on green screen, uh, basically eighty of eighty five to ninety percent on green screen. And all these actors you just mentioned, we none of us are working together. Uh, I shot I shot at the same time as Tony Todd. Naomi Grossman and Dave Sheridan, uh, we were there together, but I never, I never saw them really more at night because we shot in, in, on green screen. I shot in one studio with a green screen. I'm, an, I'm a British MI5 agent and I'm standing there uh, uh, on, the first, on the first scene we're doing, they're telling me so and so. And of course, I had some actors, you know, mostly German. It was in Ger- this is all in Germany, by the way. This is a German movie. Uh, I forgot to mention that in, in, in part. And these are very dedicated filmmakers that are coming up with something quite new. Uh, so I was shooting and uh, I had some local actors with me, one playing my wife and my playing my, uh, my butler. Uh, and and they, they basically told me, okay, you, now you're in the library. I'm like, what? I'm where? You're in the library. Okay, so <laughs> you, I'm standing there and they said, here's your bookshelf. Here's this. But I, there was nothing there. As you know, it was nothing there. It was just a, a studio, empty studio with a green screen behind it. So I'm sitting, and then you know, if we needed chairs or, or a couch, but um, uh, and then uh, I had the op- there was optional if I wanted the clothes that I was supposed to wear because they also did the clothes on some of the actors' green screens, so to switch the clothes without having to change, which was uh, uh, it was a trip in itself, but. Um, so basically did the first scene in the library and then they say, hey, now you're in your office and it was different actors working with me. And I but I was in the same freaking place, you know, uh, <laughs> what is that even like? Like, you know, a lot of the movies that you've done, you know, don't have these massive budgets that, you know, you can afford a, a, a huge green screen. Like there are some really cool effects, you know, especially with your character in in Agramon's Gate. Like there's some really cool effects, but this isn't like. You know, you have nothing to interact with. Like, so how did you manage that? Like, I imagine that would be really difficult, really kind of stretching your uh, your creativity and your uh, your acting chops just a little bit. Because, like you said, you're like, all right, you're in you're in the ocean. Now you're you know, you're swimming. You're on the beach. Now you're, you know, in the library. And it's like you're just in the same room. There's no point of reference. So how did you uh, kind of handle that with when it was thrown at you? Uh, first, I, I mean, I was a little taken back. They, I knew there was all green. They said all green screen, but you know that could mean a million things. Yeah. And I mean, we, I, when I did Bless the Child, we had a lot of green screen uh, with, Chuck, with Chuck Russell, uh, and, but we still had a lot of other things. I mean, I, you know, I was in a church, I was on the street, I was this and that. So I thought it was more like that. But then when I got there and uh, I got into the studio and I and I said, okay, so what are we shooting next? They said, now you're shooting. This is you. You're in here. And this is where we're shooting. We have like six scenes in here right now, and it's just different rooms. Um, it was a little weird, but at the, like I said, I, at least I had uh, co-actors to, to you know, uh, co-starring people to to play off and and talk to. Uh, you know, like I said, one played my wife, one played my butler, and it was some some other character. So it wasn't like I had to speak. You know, when they do uh, uh, half animation and half uh, real life, you know, like mm-hmm. like. Uh, 
then then you don't even have anybody to talk to. You know, you're talking to somebody, something that's going to be an animated character later on. That that I, I assume is even harder. I never tried done it, but but you know, it's not easy. It's, it's fun and it's not easy. But you know, when you have a movie that's uh, Sharknado meets The Walking Dead, it's Nazi zombies on flying sharks, uh, an old World War World War Two experiment. Uh, and they they fro- when they lost the war, all those sharks were frozen up in the Ant- Antarctic up north, and now because of global warming, they're coming to life, and um, they're all soldiers that rode them uh, during the war is now now zombies, and uh, it goes to hell from there. <laughs> and, and that it, honestly, that's like right up my alley. It really is. It's like. Um... Uh, another, uh, I believe it's Swedish. I might be wrong. Uh, Dead Snow? Uh, maybe it's Norwegian. Yeah, I, I think it's Norwegian. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like Dead Snow, but with sharks. Like, that's, you know, that just sounds amazing. And again, this amazing cast. You know, you've got, you know, obviously yourself. You know, we mentioned our friend Karando. Uh, and I didn't realize, but Asami, who is in... Uh, pretty much all of Karando's movies. Uh, she is in that. You've got uh, Lynn Lowry, Amanda Bears, who people will know from uh, Married with Children, Robert Lasardo, who's been in like a million things. You mentioned Natalie, uh, I'm sorry, Naomi Grossman, who was in, um, uh, what the hell is that? American Horror Story. Um, you know, Tony Todd, obviously everybody knows Tony Todd. Um, so, you said you like to do conventions. Do you have any uh, conventions that are going to be? Uh, are you going to be attending any conventions around uh, around the country this coming year? Do you have any spots booked yet, or uh, what have you got going on? No, I took I took I took a little time off conventions for the last year uh, year and a half uh, because we are intending uh, to go out with a bang next year, twenty twenty one, on the thirtieth anniversary of People Under the Stairs. Uh, it, it will be me, Sean, Brandon Adams, Kelly Joe Minter, maybe AJ Langer. Uh, maybe we can get somebody else. But we we actually trying to book a full blown West Coast and a full blown East Coast tour. Uh, we just go from place to place to place for a while. Uh, so because of that, yeah, I didn't want to saturate the market too much. So I've been very spar- sparse with the with the, the last year and a half to two. But you know, I'm. Uh, I'm not booked for anything right now. If if somebody uh, 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 right now, I'm actually I'm I'm it's itching to go out a little bit. So if somebody wants to see me out there, let me know. Uh, uh, or if any of the promoters listening, I you know I love to do a couple this year at least. Uh, uh, and you, and then next year we're just going to go full blown. So if anybody's interested in the people on the year uh, uh, under the stairs thirtieth reunion, uh, you you got to start booking us now because it's going to fill up really quickly. Um. After we finish recording, talk to me. Like, we'll. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about that because uh, I, I I may be able to uh, put you in touch with somebody. Okay, perfect. Um. So, one of the questions I like to ask everybody, you know, if you could work with uh, any franchise, you know, what would it be? Like, honestly, I could see you as like a. a you know, like in a Terminator type film, like you could be like, you know, uh, you could play, you know, you could play a Terminator. Or you could play uh, like a resistance guy. I could definitely see you as that uh, based on your look. 
But if is there a specific franchise or like series of films like, you know, oh, I've always wanted to be in a Bond film or I've always wanted to do Star Trek. Like, is there anything like that that is like your your ultimate goal, your holy grail? Uh, I don't have a holy grail, but I have, I have a couple of points on that. I love to do a villain in a superhero movie. Uh, that I like to do because I meet a lot of that audience as well on the cons. You know, the comic cons and horror cons are like very tight together. And sometimes it's, it's a mix of all. And, and it's also a very tight, very friendly, very happy fan base that I don't, you know, I would love to be part of. So, uh, you know, some kind of a, a superhero movie or franchise I, w- I love to be just part of. I know it's super studio and I'm doing, I've done, you know, I've done a lot of independence, but you know, it's also really, it's a lot of fun too when it really goes big, uh, you know, as you get to meet so many more people and, 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 and enjoy life, you know, one moment at a time. Is there a specific character that you want to play? I don't know how big into comics and stuff you are. Like, is there a specific character you like to play or a specific hero that you'd like to go up against? And uh, no, I can't say there is. Um, uh, but, you know, like I said, I love uh, uh, the whole comic book thing. And actually, a movie I did, 1996, I believe it was, uh, called uh, Sucker. Came out in 98, I believe, uh, with Hans Rodianoff. Um, uh, it became a comic book. Um, really? And, uh, you know, I enjoyed it very much to see. And when at Comic-Con, I, they, they were selling the book like crazy. And it was just—it was just fun to see my face as a comic book character on a on a cover of a book. That is pretty uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know another project I was involved in that we're going to rejuvenate now. It sounds like it's called Race Kane. They already done a book on that one, but they never released it because the movie the movie uh, got some issues and we they never got it off the ground. But I think I hear rumors that it's coming back, and that's another project I, I I'm looking very forward to. So. Excellent. Well. Uh... We've been going a little over half an hour, and I told you I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep you too, too late. So the uh, question I have for you, you know, the, the final question is um, for folks who want to get into, you know, creating films or acting or writing, like what type of advice do you have for someone who's looking to get into, uh, you know, the movie business, whether, like I said, you know, making short films or writing scripts or, you know, acting, what advice uh, do you have? Well, know what you want. Go, you know, go for that area you want. And if you do not want, know, then you know, try a little bit of everything. Uh, if you, you know, if you don't want to be, you know, if you want to be a writer or a director or an actor, or you know, a lot of writers become directors, and a lot of actors become directors, or a lot of actors or directors become writer directors, actors. So, uh, you know, feel it out. And if you know what you want, just just feel you know good about it. Go go try to meet some people. And uh, and uh, just remember, no job is too small in this industry. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. We have stars. Uh, look at uh, look at Jason Momoa. He was a he was a walk on on Baywatch like thirty years ago. Uh, you know, now he's Aquaman. Yeah. So uh, sometimes it takes time. You know, like you know, I've been here for a long time, and and like this example of Jason. You know, you know. Nobody really knew about him, you know, b- before uh, Game of Thrones, but he's been doing this forever. Uh, so, you know, not to be uh, disheartened by it. It's just like if you have fun, just have fun. I mean, that's another one. Just have fun. If it's a big job or small job, if you have fun, if you wake up and want to go there and do it, then you're in the right business. 
if you wake up and you dread it, then, you know, maybe you should try something else. That's that's really solid advice. That makes a lot of sense. So do you have any uh, social media you want to plug, you know, where folks can find you and uh, where can folks find Agramon's gate? Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm Jan Burge. Yeah, you know, just Y-N-B-I-R-C-H everywhere except Instagram. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook fan page. Uh, uh, and I'm on uh, uh, Instagram. But Instagram, I'm Yarnberg's page. Somebody had taken Yarnberg when I, when I wanted it. But uh, then nobody has that, that profile. So that was just uh, – so I had to add a page to it. But, but uh, that uh, seems to be the most uh, popular thing right now, Instagram, I think. So uh, that's a good one. And, and please see, check out my IMDb page. It's just uh, it's always fun for people to know what you're doing and you can rent things and, and you can watch things. I mean, I, like you said, I have, I have an assortment of all kinds of different kinds of movies that, I, that you can see me in. And Agamon's Gate, I'm, I'm very, very excited uh, for this movie. Uh, as I said, they, they, had a, they, they, they are planning on a little limited theatrical. I don't think it's gone nationwide. So, but on, uh, you know how they do it now. They release the movie, and then like a week later, it actually comes on all platforms. And that's what's happening here on February 11th. We have a premiere uh, on uh, the premiere, you know, as you said, was uh, uh, last week on the 7th. And, and, and on the 11th, it was available on all platforms. Oh, so, so today. Right, today. So right now, yeah, right now you can uh, get it on all platforms, uh, VOD. Uh, I think it's going to stream on all over the place. It's, it's, a, it's a big as a streaming and platform release uh and uh you know please enjoy it it's it's it was a fun to do and i think it's you know it has that feel of a of a more of a older classic horror movie uh, I, I agree it's a good date film i mean if you go to drive this would have been a perfect uh, uh drive-in movie i gotta tell you you know in the old days because it's you know it has some scares in it but it's still not too bloody and and uh yeah it, it, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, everybody, check out Agramon's Gate. I'll put links in uh, the group so you can check it out. And, uh, yeah, definitely check out the upcoming films. Uh, check out Eternal Code. I really like that. There's a review of that on uh, throwdownthursdaypodcast.com. And, uh, Jan, if you if you want to come back on anytime, let me know, because I definitely want to uh, promote Sky Sharks. Yeah, let's let's do it right before Sky Sharks. I mean, they saying right now uh, they say it should be coming out in the summer. They're negotiating final deals right now, so uh, it should be should be uh, knock on wood a summer release. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and I uh, will look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. Awesome. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey. 
Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award-nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors, and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. Hey everybody, we are the Derailers, Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean, and you can join us once every week for a brand new derailment. It includes sidetracking, randomness, we just can't stay on topic. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Derailers. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Derailers! Hey everyone, this is Vesna, the one I've been telling you all about. Why are you so against us anyway? It's just for fun. I guess his dad went to Amityville and... Who want to go first? Tried to kill his mom and Richie. No way. Yeah. And he saved his mom and killed his dad. Can we talk to family members? We could do a seance. <laughs> How's my mom doing? She's still the same, sweetie. Okay. What's origin to... Something happened at work last night. Something pushed through. I told you my dad was crazy. This is the partner I've been telling you about. I'm like the funny kind of crazy. Like the shiny kind of crazy. I need to know what happened, Mom. So it looks like Baal or Agramon. Some people say Baal is the devil's right hand. I will argue that Agramon is his left hand and that the devil is left handed. Who the hell did we let into our house last night? I can't find her. Did, did she come back? She's been here all night, Richie. Detective Blackwell. Is Richard Stanhope? You can't even protect your own son. You all could die! Hey, it's him! hope you enjoyed that interview uh, as much as I enjoyed uh, getting to chat with Jan. That was a really cool uh, interview, really awesome opportunity. Uh, he's a really cool guy. Uh, you can catch the interview that he did on the Dorkening recently. I'm not sure exactly what date that was. But you can check out his uh, filmography, check out his IMDb. He's got a lot of film credits. And obviously, like I said, you know, People Under the Stairs. And of course, uh, the film that drops today on all the f- uh, streaming platforms it's uh, Agramon's Gate, and what you just heard was the trailer for Agramon's Gate. Uh, I like to play the trailers for films, uh, especially if we're uh, talking about stuff. I know it's uh, not the same without the visual aspect, but I don't know. I, I still think there's a certain uh, certain flair to it that uh, kind of makes it pretty cool. Like, I enjoy doing those. I don't know. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, you want me to do something else, let me know that as well. So... That's going to pretty much wrap up the episode for this week, except uh, I have a couple of things I want to talk about before I go. Um, this week, uh, I want to talk about a couple of uh, Kickstarters that you can you can contribute to. Uh, obviously, I talked about some of them last week. Uh, the first one I want to talk about 
is uh, these folks actually sent me a couple of their uh, a couple samples of their their uh, project. And I'm talking, of course, about the sidekick trading card publisher uh, Mars Attacks Uprising. That's uh, si- from Sidekick Labs. They sent me a couple of packs of cards to check out, and like these are really, really cool. Uh, you can check out. We'll uh, obviously leave links to their to their Kickstarter, but you can also follow them on Instagram at Sidekick Lab. Check out their Facebook page, Mars Attacks Uprising, all one word. Although I suppose Facebook would probably figure it out uh, as you were typing it in. But it's really, really cool. The art is awesome. It definitely gives it that, like, just the the, the same aesthetic feel of the uh, of the film. I really liked it. Uh, check these out. Uh, they actually they're licensed by Tops. If anybody is uh, a a sports card uh, collector, uh, you know that Tops is one of the uh, top brands. I guess. Um, so yeah, check those guys out. Their Kickstarter is still active. Uh, Bloody Summer Camp. Um, I contributed to them. Of course, I went with like I normally do because I think they're really neat. Uh, just like Marge and her potatoes. I got the VHS perk, but I'm hopefully uh, going to be able to get something else as well. Uh, actually, the the perk I got was the. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm Bloody Summer Camp. I'm, I confuse the two of these because there's two with summer in their name. So Bloody Summer Camp is the one uh, I was talking about early, uh, last week that I contributed to. I got the uh, the the mug that you can get autographed by Felissa Rose like through random chance. Uh, keep supporting those guys. They're almost at their goal. Uh, Red Summer Massacre is another one. That's the one I keep confusing. That one just went live on Friday. And uh, they're, if they have not already hit their goal, they are very, very close. Uh, that one I contributed. I got the VHS for that as well. I also got the VHS for Bloody Summer Camp. Um, Red Summer Massacre is the one that features um, Kaylee Williams, who appeared in my Women in Horror uh, series that I did back in October for the uh, Throwdown Thursday podcast website. So check out Red Summer Massacre. They got some really, really cool perks, uh, just like Bloody Summer Camp does, uh, You know, starting at like $5. So... Anything you can do to help, even if you can't contribute, at least um, at least share it. You know, if this sounds like something that you're interested in, if you want to support indie horror, which I hope you do. Um, based on the numbers I got for last week's podcast, a lot of people want to support indie horror, so that's awesome, and uh, continue to do so. Uh, I, like I said, I got the uh, the VHS, but I also got the signed script. Uh, that was like a, a dual perk. You get both of those together. And it was uh, with shipping, it came to about 50 bucks. So uh, I think that's well worth it. And I'm going to get to see a really awesome film, and I'm going to have it on old school VHS. Uh, also, as you, uh, if you got a chance to check out last week's Throwdown Thursday, uh, we interviewed Ashley V. Robinson, who helped create Jupiter Jet, which is uh, another awesome Kickstarter. We contributed to that as well. Um, yeah, like there's a lot of really awesome independent. Uh, creators out there so make sure you go ahead and you you support these folks there's links in both throwdown thursday and on uh, the shark bites facebook pages so just look us up you know on facebook either either site and on my personal site if you're friends with me in real life on the on the uh social medias you'll see links to all this stuff 
Um, I was going to talk about the Broke Horror Fan. They just released uh, the new Puppet Master, Littlest Reich, on VHS, but they are already sold out. So before I even got a chance to promote it, it already sold out. They do, however, still have some limited edition VHS variants of Terrifier. I picked that one up. Uh, It's really awesome. And, you know, uh, just... (sighs) Support independent horror. There's a there's a new Terrifier coming out. I was unable to contribute to that Kickstarter, unfortunately. Um, you know, I'm kind of literally kicking myself because uh, I really wanted to contribute to that. I'm a big proponent, as you know, of independent films. And I actually really enjoyed the film. Like, one of the best kills I've ever seen in any horror film. And David Howard Thornton is a super cool guy. Like, he's so nice. He's such a good dude. Uh, we've interacted a million times on on social media. Uh, we chatted a little bit in real life at Scaricon last year. So definitely, if you have the chance, uh, check them out. Check out all of these things that I've been telling you about. And, uh, of course, I will leave links to make it easier. Uh, check out Agramon's Gate. See what you think. I enjoyed it. Jan is really good in it. I mean, there's not a, a bad actor in the bunch, so... If you uh, happen to check out uh, Eternal Code, then you will recognize many of the actors that are in this. So definitely check it out. Check out some of Jan's other work. And, uh, of course, I can't leave you without giving you a fun new science fact. I'm sorry, shark fact. I'm getting my wires crossed a little bit. Can't leave you without a fun new shark fact. So uh, let's see. What do we got today? Um, This isn't so much about sharks, but more about, uh, well, I mean, it kind of is. After writing Jaws and and seeing the reception that it got and the the impact that it had on the shark community at large, because, you know, these these creatures, you know, while I will defend them up and down, uh, not everyone sees them as, you know, just animals outliving their lives they see them as these vicious terrifying monsters which the media has kind of you know fed into that because that's what sells movies about big scary monsters are more popular than movies about nice uh friendly creatures well maybe not exactly but you know depicting an animal in its normal light uh isn't quite as exciting as you know watching you know a a 20-foot great white or a 15-foot great white leap out of the water, you know, attacking a seal as it breaches, you know, this complete, you know, upside-down, you know, apex predator, you know, just blasting out of the water at 30 miles an hour uh, isn't the same as, you know, just footage of what it is normally day-to-day, just kind of swimming, minding its own business. Um, You know, it's more exciting to see it, you know, go up against a, a, a ferocious human you know, who is, you know, hell-bent on fighting it. And, you know, you wouldn't see a great white uh, attack a, uh, you know, attack and stalk a fishing boat. So Peter Benchley has said that, you know, he has, he kind of regrets the success of Jaws and, and re- regrets writing it. And he actually went into several uh, shark conservation groups and was very active in that community. But uh, on that subject of... uh Jaws and, you know, the way it's portrayed, there was a myth that went around for a long time and it was perpetuated by, 
you know, basically shoddy research in 1916, the Jersey Shore attacks that were kind of the basis for uh, Peter Benchley's novel. Um, it was assumed that because there were so many people, I mean, so, uh, so many people were attacked that it was just one shark that was attacking everybody up and down. And uh, had they done more research, they probably would have realized that it was multiple sharks that were drawn to a specific area and that the concept of a rogue shark, one that's like, oh, I got the taste for human meat, you know, and stalking and killing humans, uh, that's not a thing. That doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a rogue shark. Uh, and a shark, honestly, I've talked about this lots and lots of times uh, in real life and on uh, other podcasts, uh, including Throwdown Thursday. Sharks are not interested in humans once they figure out what they are. You know, if a shark is coming up from underneath, and great whites especially are, are ambush predators, and they they swim down low and they attack from underneath, which is why you see them bursting through the water in their breaches, attacking the seals and, and, and whatnot in all these uh, Shark Week promos. From underneath, because these sharks do not have the best eyesight and you're usually attacking from far away, a person paddling out a surfboard looks an awful lot like a seal or a, or a sea turtle. You know, they cast the same type of shadow, and it's harder for the sharks to... You know, most sharks have really good eyesight, but when you're in the midst of an attack, it's harder to see. They just see, okay, that looks like what I'm, what I'm used to hunting. It's giving off the same type of electromagnetic... Uh, uh, yeah, electro electric signals that my ampullae of Lorenzini are picking up. You know, this is what I'm I'm used to hunting. It's giving off the exact same electroreceptor. Uh, I'm totally blanking on the right word, but it's give you're giving off. You know, a human in distress and uh, a human splashing around and a fish in distress give off the exact same signals that sharks look for. So it's not the shark's fault because it can't reason or, or rationalize what's going on. Um, so there's no such thing as a rogue shark. Like you're not going to see, you know, a shark, you know, it's certainly not like in Jaws the Revenge where it, you know, tracks the family and slowly, you know, picks them off one by one. And it's obviously that's, you know, fantastical and, you know, greatly, uh, over-exaggerated for the sake of, you know, a plot, a film plot, um, Clearly, that would never happen, and that doesn't happen in real life. There's no such thing as a rogue shark. Generally, whenever there's been a, a big, uh, you know, confluence of uh, of events that result in a bunch of people being attacked by sharks, it's usually because there are a lot of sharks. Um, usually brought on, like if there's a lot of fishing going on, or there's you know some sort of, you know, uh, a sewage pipe. Um, like in Australia, there's like a really long sewage pipe. I believe it's Australia, and certain fish, uh, mullets, mullets will congregate around there and eat all the debris and, and the, the waste and the refuse, and mullets are very easy to catch, and you will see tons and tons of bull sharks, and bull sharks are able to live in both salt and fresh water, so they can be uh, particularly uh, you know, troublesome. But they're not there to attack humans. They're there because the mullets are there. And if, you know, you happen to get caught up and, it, you know, you're swimming by and, it, you know, you're by yourself and it's like, hey, I can attack that. I, that's something that looks like it would be a good meal. But sharks use their teeth the way we use our hands. That's their sensory 
perception, sort of. Uh, when a shark bites into you and it sees that, okay, you don't have enough blubber or, you know, you don't have enough fat, you're too, uh, there's too much bone, this isn't worth my time because a shark doesn't want to expend a lot of energy because they have a very slow digestive system. So if they eat something with a lot of blubber, like a seal, or you know, ripping hunks off a whale or something, that's, that's going to take longer to digest. The amount of energy that they'll take to, you know, uh, they'll expend in order to catch their prey must be far less than what it'll take to, uh, you know, what they'll get from it. So the, the risk has to outweigh, the reward has to outweigh the risk, is what I'm kind of saying. And I know I rambled on about that, but, you know, I, I'm tired of seeing sharks painted as the the evil creatures. You know, they're no different from a bear or a wolf or, uh, uh, you know, a, an alligator or a rhino or anything else. These animals just do what they do. You know, yes, people sometimes get bitten, but you are more likely to be killed by a cow than you are a shark. That is statistically uh, proven. You are more likely to be killed by trying to uh, tip a vending machine to get free snacks, you know, and having the vending machine fall and crush you than you are to be killed by a shark. So keep that in mind. And uh, next week, I'm not sure what's going on next week. I have to uh, put some feelers out. I have some uh, potential shows, but I don't want to spoil anything in case we don't do it. But uh, this week on Throwdown Thursday, we're going to be discussing Harley Quinn, talking about the... uh, the latest Birds of Prey movie, because uh, Ashes and I just saw that last week, and we really liked it, but uh, we're going to give you a lot more detail about Harley Quinn, because we find her to be a fascinating character. So that's what we're going to be discussing on Throwdown Thursday. So I think with that being said, I'll go ahead and bring this to a close. And remember, I am the podcaster, but as the listener, you are my chum. Have a great week, folks.